But what we do know is that only a third of managers across the UK feel that they've had either training or are confident in managing these emotional support conversations. So so the need is definitely there. Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders and business owners with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. As a consultancy, we're here to help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you would like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today I have uh, the wonderful Michelle Smith. Uh, good morning to you, Michelle. Morning, Julian. Thank you for inviting me along. It's great to see you. Great to have you on the on the show today. Uh, and I can tell the audience a little bit about you before we get into a conversation. Uh, you are the founder and managing director of Empower Workplace Solutions, uh, where you offer corporate training uh, focused on an empathetic leadership approach uh, to topics like managing loss and bereavement in the workplace, uh, responding to managing sensitive conversations, and supporting and retaining your disabled workforce, amongst other aspects of empathetic leadership. Uh, you've got over 20 years' experience in palliative care and oncology, and you've held senior positions in lar- large organisations, including Director of Services and the Mobile Cancer Information Specialist. So a wealth of experience to talk about um, loss uh, in the workplace. And that's what we'll be focusing on today. We're looking at exploring empathetic leadership and focusing on top tips in supporting your team uh, through loss, uh, whether that's death, divorce, financial, whatever it may be uh, in the workplace. So I'm looking forward to this conversation, a conversation I think we need to have. Um, and before before we go there, uh, first question I want to ask you, uh, Michelle, is what do you love about what you do? I think for me, the difference I can make um, both to organisations, but but the workforce within the organisation. And you know, for all of my time in palliative care, I heard from patients earlier on in their journey when they were still well enough to work at the same time, but families throughout and beyond, um, that they just weren't being supported in the workplace. And, and it was never coming from a place of not wanting to support. That was the, the perception. It was because organisations didn't know what to say, how to respond. So it makes it become quite a taboo topic. And it's something that actually isn't acknowledged in organisations. So my passion for what I do comes from a a drive to make a difference and, you know, just just help people feel satisfied, supported and and want to be able to remain in, in their place of work. Now we've all probably experienced loss of some kind in the last in our lifetime, certainly in the workplace, whether that's death, financial, uh, or even um, sort of divorce. And I suppose the question I want to ask really is, what made you think there was a real need for organisations to think a bit more about this? Um, you know, in terms of how they go about it, how they support uh, their their team, their, their leaders. Uh, where did that idea come from and, and, and was it from an experience yourself? 
I think, like I say, that kind of hearing from people all the way through. Um, and then when I was, um, so I was a director of nursing during the pandemic in a hospice, and I was having to facilitate the, the video goodbyes. I was taking families around to the back of the building to say goodbye through a window. And when I reflect back on people not getting it right before the pandemic, you know, there, there's a bit of me that thought there's no way we'll know what to say now because things have become so much more complicated. I've always had that kind of idea in the back of my head or there could be something here. So I started to research it. Who else was was doing anything similar? Uh, what was available? How much was it discussed in the workplaces? And as deep as my research was and as thorough as it was, um, I've not been able to find anything there. There are grief counsellors. There are employee assistance programmes that, of course, all have their place. I don't dismiss that at all. But what we do know is that only a third of managers across the UK feel that they've had either training or are confident in managing these emotional support conversations. So, so the need is definitely there. Well, it's a low percentage, isn't it? A third of managers don't feel or, or feel adequate. So two thirds of the workforce leaders uh, basically are feeling inadequate, uh, don't have support, don't understand what to do. And it's always a tricky one, isn't it, when, when somebody in your team has that sort of loss whatever it may be how to handle it uh, how to be sensitive about it um what the right thing to say what's the right thing to do mm. what are the expectations in terms of working i mean it it's 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 i think it's a really bit of a minefield and in, in how to go about that so if you are talking with a, a leader now or a manager what are the sort of things do we need to think about if somebody is has a loss in their team what what would that be I think, you know, that there are several things that we, we can focus on. And regardless of what that loss is, like you say, it could be financial. It could be could have lost your home in a house fire. You could have lost your job. You could have uh, had the end of a long term relationship. You could be pre or post bereaved. So losses are are vast. But actually, the emotions we experience will be really very similar. So as long as managers can equip themselves with this kind of framework to follow, then actually you should be able to get yourself to a place where you can have these conversations regardless of that loss. So some of the things that I would always um, encourage people to think about is the focus that they give that that team member that they're supporting. So if, for example, so, so you and I are having a virtual meeting at the moment, um, but if you were there with emails popping up in the corner and I could see that you were tapping on your keyboard I'll know that you're not listening to me. I'll know that you're not focused. So the likelihood is that I'm really not going to give you a lot of detail around what's going on. I will want the conversation to be closed as quickly as you're showing me you want it to be closed. Whereas actually the discussion that we're having now, we both checked that all of our other applications were off before we started this conversation. We know that um, we've protected this time for this for this conversation and it's simple things like that that really show the person that you want to understand their perspective you want to listen to them if if it's a face to face meeting you know make sure that there's a do not disturb on your door or perhaps you know we've got springtime coming now go for a walk with the person it doesn't have to be in an office around a desk remove those kind of physical barriers and take someone more, you know, somewhere more private. There are simple things that that we can we can do, sort of, just to create the right environment. Another thing is to, you know, very often when we're in conversation, if it's something emotional, it tends to be that it can be quite anxiety provoking for both sides, both parties. But actually, just by making sure that we remove trying to think about what we're going to say, when can we get our 
point across, um, then we actually enable ourselves to stop. Again, it's about that full focus on the person and we engage with what they're saying. So it removes us from thinking about when can I say what I want to say? When can I get my turn? And instead, you wait for your you, you wait for that that gap and that will come when the other person stops talking. So that enables you to make that conversation again fully about the other person. And when we start practicing that a little bit more, you get more comfortable with things like silence, which which I always think is actually one of the most powerful communication skills that we can own. And that doesn't matter what you're talking about. I think that can be anything at all. And that can go for a, for a board meeting. You know, if, if a CEO can use the power of silence just to offer their team two, three minutes thinking time, you know, you, you've thrown an idea out there. And if you expect someone to have an idea there and then, it's likely to be sort of not thought through properly, but just use silence really powerfully. In a boardroom, it can be effective, but actually when you're supporting someone emotionally, it can make the world of difference because, again, you're giving someone maybe time to catch their breath, maybe time just to reflect on a memory they have about the person, or maybe just to be. And actually some people in those emotional support conversations will just need to stop recharge a little bit so that that conversation can go on and again that has a benefit to the manager and the team member because to be able to sustain this emotional conversation you've both got to have the energy to get through it interesting when you were sharing all that um if i if we were in the context of talking about loss you'd be just talking about good empathetic leadership you know basically focusing on the individual have your full attention, uh, make them feel valued. Um, <clears throat> that listening, you know, without the intent of I want to say what I want to say, actually just listening completely regardless uh, and having those moments of silence is empathetic leadership. It's good listening. It's a good uh, way to approach the human beings, as it were, isn't it? Um, so, so I guess that's your your approach, isn't it, in terms of this? It's just let's get back to some solid empathetic leadership, isn't it? It doesn't have to be rocket science. Of course, there will be more complex situations. You know, if, if you're trying to support somebody who has lost three members of their family in the pandemic and um, and you're a young manager who's only been enrolled six months and you haven't got maybe the experience of having these conversations. I'm not not sailing, uh, saying it's plain sailing to get through all of these um, these conversations, but like you say, basically, it's empathetic leadership. It's trying to understand I think one of the key things as well is, is understanding empathy versus sympathy. And actually, if we practice empathy above sympathy, again, that person will feel much more valued. I think very few people think about their approach. And one of the first things we automatically say when there's a loss is, I'm sorry to hear that. And you sort of break that down a bit. And whilst it comes from a genuinely good place, it's kind of like an automatic response. But again, mm. The first word there is I am, or the first words. So you're making it about you straight away. Whereas if you were to say, I can't imagine how you feel. Yes, you're starting with I again, but you're putting it back to the person. So if you're saying I am sorry, that's about how I feel about your situation. Whereas mm. if you're saying, you know, that must be incredibly difficult. You're asking an open question. They can turn around and just say, yes, it is. And they can close it down or they can choose to go wherever they want. But but you're positioning that conversation to go in the direction 
of your team member. And, you know, the key thing is to let them lead this conversation. Never go mm. in with your own agenda. Be prepared in terms of knowing your, your policy, having a conversation with your HR team, checking with your line manager in advance that if you think there's going to be more flex than, than normal required, then check that you've ticked that mm. box first. So, yeah, it's, as I say, it's not rocket science, but people still have a, a fear around the difficulty. And, and I think a lot of it comes from a fear of just saying the wrong thing and, and getting it wrong. So instead, mm. we clamp down. You said sympathy and empathy. I mean, often in situations of loss, people talk a lot of sympathy, don't they? Have I have sympathy for you. And so th- do you think the approach should be more empathy as opposed to sympathy? I definitely do. And and the reason between uh, behind that, sorry, is that sympathy actually does create a, a hierarchy. And, you know, in the workplace, especially if you're um, kind of like trying to support someone, you want to try and remove that hierarchy and you want to talk to that person as a human, not not as a person who um, is in, in charge of them day in, day out. So you want to really kind of just remove and you you speak to people on a human level. And you know, if you read things around sympathy, it's sort of it comes from a place of pity. So you're offering something down rather than coming at it from an equal perspective. And, you know, empathy is about understanding that person's perspective how can you help them as a manager showing that you're prepared to to walk this journey with them but you're prepared to walk it alongside them and that's the really important thing so when you you get into a conversation with somebody uh, who's just had a loss in your team um what what sort of things do we do they need to think about apart from obviously consulting perhaps hr from the policy point of view and we'll come back to that later what what other sort of practical tips Uh, would you suggest uh, just in terms of just getting ourselves ready to think about that conversation? Well, I think, again, you know, I touched on the environment. That's absolutely key. But also just think about things like, you know, are you the right person to even have this conversation? And sometimes the line manager is kind of like your first choice, but not always the right person. Now, if someone's just going through a disciplinary process and there's some kind of like animosity, that won't be the right person in that moment. Um, if if the line managers just had a bereavement or a loss themselves, again, emotionally, they're not going to be in the right place because, <clears throat> excuse me, because they will also have their own emotions to be dealing with. So check that you're even the right person to deal with it. If if it's a particularly complex situation, then, you know, admit that before you even get going with it. it. It's OK. It's not a sign of weakness if you don't know what to do. And it's really important to be able to share when, you, when you're when you sort of st- starting to get out of your depth. So one of my tips is definitely to, to make sure, one, you're the right person to see this through. If you're just about to get your own promotion or leave the organisation, don't start this because it's not a process that's going to be over in a couple of days. It should be prolonged. And, you know, if if you're going to start the process and you do it amazingly well, and then someone else is going to come in and that team member has to start this story from the beginning, build the trust, you won't rebuild the same level of trust. Um, another thing I always think about, and, and one thing that is definitely becoming more evident in the conversation I'm having is, that that loss just isn't featuring on any diversity and um, equality and EDI strategies. It's just not on the radar at all. And mm. I find that quite surprising because there are a number of people who experience bullying after a bereavement. Um, we think about it, you know, people have had more complex. Stop, stop, just step back a minute there. You just said people get bullied for, who've had a bereavement. 
I, I can't reconcile those two. <laughs> I've never experienced that. I've not been aware of that. Is that a thing that people get bullied because they've lost somebody? I mean, that just sounds that sounds horrific. How, how might that be, and how do we deal with that? It's um, it's definitely happening. Um, and the reason it happens, and especially more so at the moment, is if you think about the the more complex nature that bereavement is presenting with us, people haven't been able to say goodbye. They haven't been able to go to funerals. So whatever cultural rituals we might have observed, we've not been able to follow that. If someone has a complex bereavement, we know that for the first six months of that bereavement, they will function at 60% of their normal capacity. So whether or not they go straight into the workplace, they're functioning at a lesser level than they're capable of. Um, And if they're out for a prolonged period of time, then other work members are going to have to pick up their workload. So actually that that forms resentment and isolation. Um, So that's where the the bullying um, aspect comes in. And uh, like you, I find it really hard to understand that that the two things go hand in hand. But but it is a, a problem and it's something that I feel quite passionately out for you know from the EDI perspective to understand you know the discussions I've had it's just not on people's radar and and the same with discrimination I I spoke with a a gentleman only a couple of months ago um, and he came from a faith where he is expected as the eldest son to lead the the morning rituals in the lead up to the death and following the death Um, and one of his parents were taken ill quite suddenly while he was at work one morning um, his line manager said he could leave for the hospital, but only once he'd finished his tasks and he had to tell his team when he went. By the time he'd done all of that, he got to the hospital. It was too late. Um, so the family had had to start without him. And actually, he couldn't even um, lead on the after death rituals because in an acute environment, things move quickly. Um, so he was then contacted every day for the two weeks bereavement leave he had. When was he coming back? What about this deadline? What about that deadline? Um, he actually ended up leaving the organisation. He'd been with them over two decades. Now, when you think about the cost to an organisation, someone so very skilled in their profession, um, you know, to to recruit, to train someone to that mm. level again, you're not talking a couple of hundred pounds, are you? It's a significant amount mm. of money. And, uh, you know, we have to think it's not just about the impact for for that member of staff. Two other members of his team went because they saw the way he'd been treated. But you kind of have to wonder as well, you know, that manager, it's very unlikely they would have been deliberately difficult. But if he if I know it was a male manager, if he didn't have the training and the the confidence, mm. then actually he might also be impacted by the outcome of this. Yeah. And the next time he has to support a bereaved member of staff, potentially there's more anxiety and he'd be worried mm. about the outcome. So we really got to remember that the two sides of, of this. Mm. So we've got to bring it more into, into the awareness uh, and sort of to the light, really. <clears throat> I know myself, this is over what, nearly nearly 25 years ago. I lost my dad and I don't, I had two weeks off as, as you do, um, but I don't remember too much about whether there was a proactive approach or a conversation about it. I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't really can't remember it. I don't think it was. Um, perhaps it's got better nowadays. I'm sure it has. Mm. So when that happens, in terms of being proactive about it, because I think there's there has to be a bit more proactivity about this sort of process. Um, but 
you know, even myself trying to think that through, how proactive can you be and what's the best way to uh, tackle a sensitive situation? Do you wait for them to come to you or do you, or do you go in quickly with the supports? Uh, and again, thinking about the support, how do we, how do we do that whole workplace? The fact that you said 60% of the, that the productivity is around about 60%, mm. which is significantly down. How do we support that and manage that and help that? Uh, and also create, I'm asking you lots of questions here, create a team that's not so resentful as well. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? I've asked you about three or four questions there. Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> I think, you know, there's a really easy start point and it's going back to reviewing your bereavement policy. It is that simple. Um, and then kind of like benchmarking where you're at, um, you know, where are you in terms of how many line managers are supported and, tra and trained to deliver the support how many of your staff feel your line managers would deliver that support um, and you can do really simple things like with support obviously um, you can set up an in-house peer support group now this is a really low cost model of supporting your workforce because if you have got people within your within your organization it doesn't matter what level who are trained to have these peer-to-peer -peer conversations then actually people will cope better in the workplace discussions are more open um, but it's a way of retaining your workforce but in in something that's so low cost and um, I think it is again with anything you've got to bring those conversations you've got to be open you've got to be transparent and that's what we're all trying to get to in terms of organizational culture and loss and grief bereavement it, it all has to be a part of that and how does that peer-to-peer -peer support work out in an organization give me an example that you've been part of one uh, in, in what an organization you've worked with so, so the reason i'm an advocate of them is when we are delivering support as a manager it's really important not to make it about yourself. So it's not about the time that that you know your your dad died. If my dad died today and you shared your experience with me, that wouldn't be the right thing to do. It might make you reflect on that time, but actually, this is about me. This is about my experience, and they're completely unique. So it's about understanding the boundaries as the manager, but a peer support group kind of shifts that a little bit. And it's like, uh, it runs in the same way as a cancer support group. You know, you go there to, to discuss and get support from people who are going through the same thing. So it kind of removes that, that kind of the, the boundary and the hierarchy between sort of support and supported. And you're in an equal playing field where everyone can discuss what's happened to them. They can talk about, you know, well, let's all go for a walk or, you know, at Christmas doing small things like you could have, um, if you're IT savvy in your company, then why not have a, a virtual board on your intranet where people can leave messages at Christmas? We've got to remember for some people, they're going to find it really tricky when the Christmas decorations go up and Secret Santa comes out and Christmas party is is all the buzz. People are going to really struggle because it's their first Christmas without someone or they know it's their last Christmas with someone. Mm. Um, so, you know, there are simple things. You know, put up a little tree in, in the office where people can leave messages. Just show that as an organisation you appreciate it's not an easy time for, for every member of staff. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it's any sort of small way that you kind of just acknowledge it. That's that's where you'll start making strides. And I guess that that peer peer to peer support is would that is that facilitated by somebody or is that facilitated by each of themselves? I guess if you get two or three people who've just been going through a bereavement in your organisation, would they just 
meet together and that be it or would somebody work to facilitate it how does it work so there should be a trained facilitator but that can be organizationally um, and certainly that's one of the the offers that I've got is, is a workplace champion and they are trained to deliver that support and again they would also be trained to understand that if they were going through a loss themselves they would not lead that peer support group for as long as it it took for them to feel strong enough again um, so I think like you say it, it would be quite unproductive and potentially has the risk to just get people sitting and sort of like dwelling on how difficult things are if you mm. haven't that facilitation model in place so yeah really really important and and going back to the line manager um what what support would they need as well because obviously that can be quite tricky not that it's all about the line manager but if they have more support then they'll be more effective in and supporting the individual as well wouldn't they yeah i think you know from from an organization perspective i honestly think it's 50 50 i think you have to make sure that the line managers are as well looked after as the workforce who are experiencing the grief because if you've got a team of 20 that, that you look after and at least three or four of those are going through any kind of a loss you know the impact that has on our emotional well-being when we're absorbing all of that and not doing anything with it we might not be able to leave it at the door when we go home at night. We then might want, you know, worry about that person, how they're coping, what they've said. What if that was me? There has to be an outlet. So, again, having that kind of that supervision for, for the line managers, the understanding of how to manage your resilience, uh, look after your own well-being. It's it's just as important. And, and like I say, I honestly think it's an equal split. And, you know, they're going to have more job satisfaction if they know they can go and deliver these conversations confidently and and work towards a good outcome where the staff member feels that they want to remain in that job, they want to stay loyal to that organisation, then that's going to increase their job satisfaction hugely. So they'll practice more, they'll become more confident, they'll become better at these conversations as well. So getting it right on both sides is absolutely vital for, for success in terms of retention and satisfaction. Yeah, and I think this is is an is an important topic, and it's like all these, you know, like mental health, bringing that to the forefront, and and diversity inclusion. We've got to bring these to the forefront and create awareness. But as you said, you've got to put some structures in place. And I think I like the idea of that peer to peer support. It might be more valid in a bigger organisation, uh, and having those champions, you know, just like we have mental aid first aiders now, it's creating those people who have become more experts in these areas that either line managers could go to them <clears throat> and chat to them as well and get some feedback on how to help handle this, or they could be the one who facilitates it. Uh, I think that's really valuable. Um, Michelle, I really appreciate you being on today. Um, uh, good topic to talk about, important topic to talk about, and to give some more awareness and real help uh, today has been really useful. Um, if people are interested in connecting with you and getting a bit more understanding how you can help them, uh, what's the best way of them doing that? So the, the website, uh, www.empowerworkplacesolutions.co.uk um, or my direct email is michelle at empowerworkplacesolutions.co.uk um, at either of those channels and you'll easily reach me. Well, thank you for your time today, Michelle. Much appreciated. Lovely. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a consultancy, we help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you'd like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com.